every big thing starts small. It's a natural law. Every big multinational corporation was once a small business. Welcome to the Small Starter Business Podcast, a unique podcast for practical tips and advice to help you start, grow, or turn around your business. Welcome to another episode of the Small Starter Business Podcast. I am your host, John Paul Iwoha. Uh, Today's episode is about pricing, pricing strategy. This is one of the very contentious areas of business for many people, for many entrepreneurs. And that's because certain prices can be part art and it can be part science. There is no exact formula to fixing a price that optimizes your business, either profit-wise or any other, by any other metric you're looking, you're looking at. So that's what makes pricing very contentious. There is no fixed formula that says if you do it this way, you're setting the right price. So a lot of entrepreneurs have questions about this, which is why it's no surprise that we often get questions inside our private members um, area, our private insiders program um, about pricing. And today's episode is inspired by one of our members, I, uh, Constant. He's the one who asks this question about pricing. And uh, thanks to Constant, we're going to be looking at five strategies for setting the best price for your products or, or services, whatever it is that you sell. And you need to pay very close attention to what I'm going to tell you in this episode because pricing is a game changer. Price is arguably the, the, one of the most influential factors in the buying decisions of customers. If somebody is going to buy something from you, it is very, very likely that they are going to consider the price in making that decision. So that's why pricing is very important. Pricing gives people an impression of your value, of the value of your product or the value of your service. So if you don't want to give the wrong impression or you don't want to you don't want to misinform the market about your value. It's very important that you pay close attention to your pricing strategy. Another important reason why pricing is important and a game changer is that pricing provides a measure of comparison. When somebody wants to buy something from you, they are going to compare your price against other, other measures. They might compare your price against the cost of the problem they are facing. They might compare your price against the price of other competitors who are selling something similar or related to you. So pricing gives the buyer an impression of, uh, it gives them something to measure you against. Another reason why pricing is very critical, very important is that you can use pricing to, to attract customers. You can also use pricing to scare off customers. That's how pivotal pricing is. And think about it. The customer hasn't really come to know you or understand what you have to offer. Just by your price alone, you can scare them off or you can draw them in. So that's why pricing is a game changer. And it's not something you need to take for granted because it could be hurting and harming your business far more than you actually realize. And another reason why pricing is a game changer is that it's one of those very small things it's small but mighty. It's one of those things in your business that can improve sales and profits without actually changing the product. So think about it. It's the same product. You're not changing any, anything. But just by tweaking the price alone, you can significantly boost your sales or your profits. So this is not something you need to take uh, lightly. It could actually it could actually form the foundation on which your business can rise or fall. So pricing strategy is very, very important. And there are 
there are businesses, there are consultancy firms that are wholly specialized in pricing alone because they know how, how much pricing can change the, for, the, the, the fortunes of a, of a company, of a business. So you need to pay close attention to this. Now, before I go into the five specific strategies I want to share with you in this episode, it's important to understand the factors that influence or should influence your pricing strategy. So as you think about a pricing strategy, what are the factors that you should consider that will very likely influence the prices that you set? And from my experience in working with clients, there are typically three major factors that should influence your pricing strategy. The first factor is what you sell. What you sell is going to play a big role in the kind of prices that will be acceptable on the market. So for example, are you selling a commodity or a bespoke or customized product or service. For commodity items, which are pretty much standard items that you can find anywhere, the pricing is fixed by the market. Everybody has a fair idea of what a bottle of water should cost, of what petrol should cost, of what raw agricultural produce like cucumbers should cost. These things are commodities. They are standard everywhere. Everybody sells them. So your price can be limited by what you sell. If you sell a commodity, the market sets the price. If you sell a customized or bespoke item that nobody else sells, you set the price because there is nothing else to compare it against. So people have to live with your own price. So that's something you need to consider. Another thing you need to consider is, are you a generalist or a specialist? A generalist really, gen, most generalists cannot, cannot charge very high. Because as a generalist, almost everybody is a generalist. But specialists can charge a premium because their, their services are specialized and not very many people provide that kind of service. Another thing is about seasonality. So what you sell, is it seasonal or all season? So if something is, is seasonal, what it means is that it's, it is in high supply at a particular time, but the demand is available throughout. So in times of glut, which is a time when a product is oversupplied on the market, it can force the price to crash. Except you hoard or you are able to store them for the, for the times when um, that product goes out of season, then you can command the higher price because at that time the product will be scarce on the market. So these are things you need to consider. What you sell plays a big role in your pricing strategy. The second factor that would influence your pricing strategy is who you sell to. And this is very critical because who you sell to is important because that is the person or that is the party that will pay you. So, for example, B2C versus B2B. B2C is business to consumer when you are selling to individual consumers or households versus when you are selling to organizations, to companies, to the government. Now, if you're selling to organizations, organizations can afford more. They have a higher spending power compared to individuals. So you might be able to get, you might be able to pull off higher pricing if you're selling to business clients, to organizations. But for consumers, you know, things can be, you may need to limit your, your price. It may limit your pricing if you're selling to consumers. Another thing about who you sell to is your price sensitivity. All your customers are not going to be the same. Some of your customers earn more than others. Some of them are less price sensitive. So what I mean by price sensitive is there are some of your customers who are really focused on the value of what you sell and not really the price. They want, they are looking out for a particular value. It could be convenience. It could be access. It could be expertise. It could be flexibility. It could be speed. Those are the things they are willing to pay for and they are willing to pay a high enough price for it as long as it's not outrageous. But there are some customers who are limited in their decision making to price. So they want, they want value and all those things, but the, the deal will be made or broken by price. 
So the, the price sensitivity of the people you sell to matters. If you are selling to a crowd that has a low price sensitivity, they can, those are the kinds of people who can buy luxury items. Those are the kind of companies that luxury companies like Rolex and um, um, Rolls Royce and all the other luxury brands target. People who have low price sensitivity. But if you are, if you are selling to a, a market where the spending power is low, then you are limited to, to what you can charge. Another thing that determines is that determines when it comes to who you sell to is the level of motivation to buy what you're selling. So sometimes the demand is very high for what you're selling or the desire to buy it is very high. When desire is high, when the motivation to buy is high, you can raise your prices because, because people are motivated, they are going to buy. That motivation overrides whatever resistance they may have to your pricing. So that plays a key part. The third factor to consider um, that, uh, that you need to consider when you're setting your pricing strategy is, your, is what you want to achieve. Now, every entrepreneur is different. Every business is different. So what you want to achieve as a, as a business may be totally different from what I want to achieve with my business. And we can, get, we can achieve what we want to achieve through our pricing strategy. And I'll give you a couple of examples. If you're looking for market share, market share meaning you want to grab as much uh, as uh, you want to mop up as much of the demand as possible, you are going to set a price that is low enough to attract the most people. So your pricing strategy will be to set a low price so that you can attract more people and gain market share. And you see examples of this. Uber is one example. Uber is, Uber is looking for market share at the expense of profit. So, so far, Uber is not turning a profit, but they don't care. Their investors don't care because the objective of the business is to gain market share. And they have done that by providing an affordable service that people love and are willing to pay for. So if market share is your thing, then what that means is that you have to follow a, a low pricing strategy so that you can appeal to the, the, the most um, uh, people in the market. Another objective would be market dominance and a competitive barrier. So you could be setting your prices as a way to ward off competitors, as a way to keep comp competitors away. So if you want to keep your, compet your competitors away, one, one way to do that would be to lower your prices enough so that your customers and the market don't have any reason to buy from your competitors who are likely going to be higher priced than you are. Another objective would be to maximize sales. If you, want, if you want to maximize sales, meaning you want to sell as much as possible, then what it means is that you may need to use a combination of pricing strategies, like I'm going to share with you in this episode to maximize your sales. There are some pricing strategies that are much more effective for maximizing sales than others. Your objective could be to maximize profit. You want to squeeze out as much profit as possible. So if you're maximizing profit, that doesn't necessarily mean that you're selling as much as possible. You may sell to a small part of the market, but it's a, it's a highly profitable part of the market. If we use luxury brands, for example, Rolls-Royce does not sell as many cars as Toyota, but Rolls-Royce makes a lot of profit per customer than Toyota makes per customer. And that is fine for Rolls-Royce because Rolls-Royce has used this pricing strategy to maximize profits the way they want. And that's what the company wants. So that is a way that your pricing strategy can, can help. Another way your pricing strategy can help you achieve what you're looking for is if you're looking for market perception. As you will find out later in this episode, as I'm going to tell you later, your pricing communicates value to the market. It gives an impression to the market. It gives them a certain perception of who you are. So you can use your pricing as a symbol to tell somebody that, you know, we are a high-priced brand 
And there is a reason for that. Maybe it's because we're high quality, high value, high touch, you know, things like that. So you can use your pricing to set your perception in the market. So these are three factors you need to consider. What you sell, who you sell to, and what you want to achieve. These are three factors that will inform the pricing strategy that you set for your business. So right now, let's dig in. Let's dig into the five specific strategies for setting the best price for your products. The first place, the first strategy I'll start with is the most common one, which is competitive pricing. Now, competitive pricing is used for standard or commodity products that are undifferentiated or identical in the market. So if you're selling something, almost every other person is selling. Either what you're selling is identical or very, or very similar to, then it's very likely you're going to use competitive pricing. If you're selling commodities like petrol, water, unprocessed agricultural goods, or any standard product or widget that you know that other people are selling, you cannot just set your own price because the people who are going to want to buy from you will compare what you're selling to what other people are selling. And if it doesn't make sense that your price is higher than other people, where, than other people's prices, even though you are selling the very same thing, you're going to lose customers. So competitive pricing is commonly used in markets where uh, you're selling similar and standard things. And, and the reason you do that is you need to you need to compare well to your competitors because the people who are buying from you are not, are not stupid. They're going to compare what you're selling. And the, the thing with competitive pricing is you don't compete on price. Unlike other pricing strategies where pricing is one of your competitive advantages, with competitive pricing, pricing is out of that mix. You have to compete on other factors, other factors of value, like the speed of your service or the speed of your delivery, the convenience, your location, your flexibility, the quality of your customer service. These are things you can compete on that will make customers consider you over your competitors since price is no longer a factor. If, if you and your competitors are selling at almost the same price, the only reason why people will buy from you will be other, other differentiating factors like convenience, speed, flexibility, the, your location, the quality of your customer service, uh, the, the experience, the buying experience and things like that. The second strategy, the second pricing strategy you need to um, keep in mind is the penetration pricing. Now, the penetration pricing strategy is best used when you are introducing a new product on the market or when your business is new on the market. And the reason penetration uh, pricing is effective as a strategy is that it brings you to the attention of potential customers because your pricing is lower than you know, what is widely available. And you know, you're going to attract attention. You also be able to convince investors to carry you, to carry your products. Because if your product is selling for lower than your competition, than your competitors, that means the distributors can make more profit, can make more money by selling your own product. Since your, your, your product and your competitors' products are evenly priced, are priced at the same level. What it means is that distributors can make more money for, by selling your own product. So penetration pricing helps because it brings you to the attention of the market. Uh, but you, you need to be careful with penetration pricing because it only works in the short term. It cannot be your long-term pricing strategy. And that's because your competitors are not stupid. They are going to, they are going to find out what you're doing. And if you persist beyond the short term with a penetration pricing strategy, it could lead to a price war. Now, a price war is where your competitors retaliate by lowering their own prices, and then you retaliate by lowering your own prices, and then it continues, and it, it's a dive to the bottom. And when 
when situations like that occur, in price wars, the only person who wins is the customer. But the businesses, you know, you, the businesses suffer. And most likely it could lead to failure because you are bleeding money. You are bleeding, uh, you are bleeding through losses. So that's why you don't want to do this in the long run. It's a short-term strategy. You're new on the market. You could do it for your first year, for the first couple of months or for the first couple of weeks. Get the attention you want and then um, level up. Now, it's also important to note, like I mentioned, that penetration pricing is going to eat into your margins. These are profits that you're sacrificing to be able to gain attention in the market. So it's not something you can do for a long time. If not, you'll be stabbing yourself in the back by selling below the market price for a very long or extended period. The third pricing strategy you should consider is staggered pricing. Now, this is very interesting, so you need to pay attention. Now, staggered pricing is built on the principle that value does not mean the same thing to every customer. All the customers who are going to be buying from you perceive value differently, and they are willing to pay for the value that they, that they, that they want, that they are interested in, that they are, that, they are, that they are motivated about. So some of your customers may be interested in speed, other ones may be interested in flexibility. Other ones may be interested in expertise or access to you or a, an elevated buying experience, an elevated customer experience, a much more bespoke and customized product or something. So what staggered pricing means is you don't offer the same price to all your customers. Rather, what you do is you price according to your customer segments. There are some of your customers who are willing to pay more if you offer them the right product. Or if you, you know, if you, if you offer them something that, that, makes more, that makes more sense to them. And you know, there are different ways you can do this. There, there can be a low entry price for your lowest price product to attract the segment of the, of, the, of, the, of the market or your customer segment that is bargain conscious or price sensitive. You could use your low priced offer. You could have a middle range offer for people who are looking for something that is better than your lower price offer, but don't have the money for your highest selling product, for your highest price product. And then you could have the max or your premium for those of your customers who are willing to pay above and beyond for, very, for extra value, for uh, something that they consider, something that they desire, something that they want. So rather than selling at one price, that will cause you to lose money. Because if you sell at one price, you're losing the money, the potential sales from those customers who would have been willing to pay more if you made them the right offer. So that's something you need to, you need to consider. And one typical example where, you, where we see this in action, if you've ever flown on a plane, you notice that you're going on a plane from Lagos to London, that plane is going to end up in London when it, when it takes off from Lagos. But all the seats on the plane are not the same. No airline has one standard, no major airline has one standard um, fare, one standard fare. They usually have two or three fares. They have economy. The economy is the entry level, is the lowest price seat. People in economy pay, is, uh, pay the lowest price to be on that plane. Then you have business class. People in business class pay two or three times more than people in economy. They are on the same plane. It's just that they get better service. They have a more enhanced experience. And then you have first class. First class people pay sometimes up to five times more than what people in economy pay. And they get the best service. They get preferential treatment. But the thing is, everybody will end up in London. Everybody will end up in the same destination. The plane is going to the same place. So why would somebody pay more to be on the same plane when all of us are going to the same place? 
And the reason that is, is all your customers do not see value the same. Some people want to be more relaxed. They want a more preferential treatment. They want to have access to the best things you have to offer. They want champagne. They want exotic meals. And they're willing to pay for it. They're willing to pay up to five times what it takes to get on the plane. And you sell it to them. So imagine if the plane was only selling a standard economy seat for everybody. So if, if that's what you're doing, you're missing out on the extra revenue that you could have gotten from your first class customers. And if you set your standard price as the price of the first class customers, you lose a lot of the economy class customers because they cannot afford it. So that's why staggered pricing is very effective. You stagger your prices so that people come in and choose what they are comfortable with. People come in and choose the value that they want and pay accordingly. So that's why staggered pricing is, is really um, interesting. The fourth pricing strategy I'd like to talk about is the volume pricing strategy, the volume pricing strategy or bundle pricing strategy. Now, this is, a, this is one of the pricing strategies that is very good for boosting sales because what it means is that you bundle some of your products together or some of your services together and sell it as one package, as one product. And you do that such that the bundle, buying the bundle is cheaper than buying the sum of its parts. So if you are going to buy all the items in the bundle, you will pay more. That's why it makes sense for the customer to buy the bundle and then save. So one common way this happens, one common example is the volume discount. You'll notice that when you're buying some products in bulk, the price is cheaper per unit. So for example, you're buying a bottle for $5. You buy one, you pay $5. If you buy 10, you pay $30. So if you're paying, if you're buying 10 and paying $30, that means you're paying $3 per bottle compared to buying the bottle in at the unit level. So what that does is if you if if you're offering volume discounts, you will be influencing customers to buy more volume. And the more volumes they buy, the more sales you're making. So that's why this this strategy is very solid for boosting sales. Another common way is buy one, get one free. So if you buy one, you get one free. So essentially, what it means is that I've given you an incentive to buy. Maybe you were not considering buying at all. But then when you buy one and you get one free, that could be uh, an extra push that you need. And this is very useful too for, for when you're introducing new products on the market. You can say, okay, buy one, get one free. But there's a hidden power of buy one, get one free. You notice that if, if your product is, say, $10, if you say buy one, get one free, that means I'm going to get two for the price of one. I'm going to be getting two products for $10. I pay only $10 when I should have paid $20. So in essence, I paid $5 each, right? But the reason they are not saying buy for $5 is that the incentive is not strong enough than, it's not, it's not stronger than buy one, get one free. For when you do buy one, get one free, the first thing you do is you maintain the integrity of your price. If you, want to, if you want to fix a particular price, if you're fixing $10, you keep it at $10 and you give the impression that the other, the extra product they are getting, they are getting it for free. You're not charging it. You're not charging them for it. It's a totally different, it's a totally different ball game when you say buy this for $5. Essentially, you're saying the same thing. Buy this for $5. But if you say buy this for $5, people will end up buying one. They may end up buying one. But when you say buy one, get one free, people will end up getting two. 
And that means you're pushing volume. So these are some of the tricks that people, that businesses use, especially at the retail level, to influence customer, consumer behavior just through their pricing strategy. Another um, effective pricing strategy is the special packages. So rather than sell your individual products, you can sell packages. And I use this, I use this strategy uh, well in my business, especially in my, the publishing arm of my business. So I, when, I, when I sell my books, when I publish my books, I don't sell books the way most people sell it, as individual books, buy this book. I usually sell my books in three packages. So I have two books so far, um, 101 Ways to Make Money in Africa that I, I co-wrote, and um, um, Jackpot, which is the book targeted at people who are trying to raise capital. So for my books, there are three packages. There's the only, there's the plus, there's a VIP. So let me explain. The only is you buy the book alone, right? Now, the plus means, I know you're, anybody who buys a book is buying it to achieve something. So if you're buying one-on-one ways to make money in Africa, it's very likely you're looking for business opportunities and ideas to explore. So what happens after you find an idea in that book that you like? You start to think of starting the business. What would you need to start a business? You will need resources. You need tools, things like access to capital. You will need training and things like that. So in the plus package, I package some of the other things you would need. There is a, an ebook for... Uh, that, that contains a list of potential investors who invest in or a, a wide range of businesses. There's also an inspirational book in there because I know starting a business is hard. You're going to need inspiration and things like that. And there's also another book on procurement in Africa. If you're looking at opportunities in the, in the public um, the, uh, pro, uh, uh, procurement space or doing business with governments across the African continent. And there's a VIP offer, there's a VIP package, which is you finish, you read the book, you have access to everything in the plus package, and then you have, there's, a, there's the opportunity of a one hour consulting time with me, so with the author. So what that means is I am selling one book, but in three packages. You can buy the book alone, you can buy it with some bonuses, with some add-ons, or you could buy the VIP package and have a one hour consultation with the person who actually wrote the book. And that's the VIP option is sometimes 10 times the price of the book. And some people pay because some people, some people like rather than just read the book, let me talk to this guy who wrote it. And I, I, I pick his mind for one hour. For some people, that is worth the price. So you can imagine I'll be leaving a lot of money on the table if I just sell the book the traditional way, just sell the book. But by bundling it in packages, I'm able to push more volume because I'm appealing to different segments of my market. So this strategy has a bit of staggered pricing in it because I'm not selling to the same customer. There are some people who just want to buy the book. There are some people who, who want the plus package. There are some people who want the VIP package. So I'm not selling to the same customers. That's a staggered pricing strategy. But I'm also bundling the products because some of those products, I'll be, it might be difficult to sell it alone. But by the time you bundle it with related products, then it makes sense and people want to, people want to buy it. So the volume pricing strategy, the, the pure volume pricing strategy, like buy one, get one free or volume discounts, tend to appeal to bargain conscious customers. They are customers who want to save money as they, as they buy. And when you offer things like you're you are offering a volume discount or a buy one, get one free or a package or something, you, you, you tend to attract those kinds of customers who want, who want, a, who want more value for their money. Uh, those are the kinds of customers you end up attracting. People want value for their money and they're willing to pay for it. And the fifth, uh, um, the fifth pricing strategy I like to talk about, which is really interesting, by the way, is the positioning pricing. Now, like I mentioned earlier in this episode, your price 
conveys a message to the, to the market. Your price conveys a message of value to the market. It tells the market what you're worth. And your price ends up attracting the kind of customers that you want. If you want bargain conscious customers, you can communicate that through your price. If you want customers who are willing to pay a premium, you can communicate that through your price. So pricing is a message to the market. And some people get that message and they respond. That's essentially what it is. So that means you can use your pricing to position yourself in the mind of the market. You can use your pricing to send a message to a segment of the market and lock up a position in their mind so that when they are thinking of buying something and they are thinking of high quality or they are thinking of um, saving money or something, they instantly remember you. So there are two ways that this can go. You can have bargain positioning, or it could be more than two ways. One of them is bargain positioning. And one interesting example I like to use is the Dollar Tree stores in the US. So this is a chain of stores that sells that sells most of its items for $1 at, at most, $1 or less. So everything you find inside that store is $1 or less than $1. That's the value proposition of that business. And Dollar Tree stores now has over 15,000 locations in the US. And um, a couple of years ago, they made 22 billion, with a B, 22 billion in sales. You can imagine a business that sells each item for $1 or less, making $22 billion in sales. And that's because it attracts the kinds of customers that it wants. It attracts bargain conscious customers, customers that, are willing, customers that maybe have low incomes, have low spending power, or customers that are just looking for a bargain. They just want to buy something as cheaply as possible. So Dollar Tree Stores has positioned itself in the market as the place for people who want to buy stuff as cheaply as possible. On the other side of the spectrum, you have premium positioning. Businesses that have positioned themselves as high-priced products. And that's essentially the position they want to occupy in the market. Luxury brands fall squarely into this kind of strategy. Brands like Rolex, Rolls-Royce, Bang & Olufsen, the, um, the sound systems maker. So let's use Rolex, for example. The truth is, Rolex is just a watch. It's just a watch. But here comes the trick. What is a watch? What does a watch mean to you? For some people, a watch is just something that tells time, period. I just want a watch that tells time. For some people, a watch is much more than something that tells time. It's much more than a timepiece. A watch is a fashion accessory. A watch is a fashion statement. A watch communicates class. A watch communicates status. So you can see different ways of looking at it. For some people, a watch is not just a watch. So they are not going to buy a $10 watch or a $50 watch because they are not looking for a timepiece. They are looking for a fashion statement. They are looking for something that can communicate their class, their status, their social standing. That is why Rolex can sell for 1,000 times or more of the basic watch because it's not just a timepiece. I saw um, a Rolex advert the other day. And um, as you can imagine, Rolex advertises um, with, um, I think it's golf, right? So golf is the, golf is the association that, golf is the association, the brand association that Rolex has. And you can imagine what kind of people play golf. These are likely high net worth people, people who have solid connections, people in a certain social class of society, very likely the elite. So that is, that is where you see Rolex adverts. You don't see Rolex adverts maybe anywhere. You, you likely see it in the VIP lounges of airports, 
You likely see it as where elite people hang out and things like that because they know who their customer is. They're not looking for people who want to buy a timepiece. If you want a timepiece, you can buy it anywhere. But if you want a statement of class, you go for Rolex. So I saw an ad the other day. It says Rolex doesn't just tell time. It tells history. So Rolex is now that thing that you can hand over to your, to your grandchild or pass over to your, to, your, to your children. Rolex is something they give you when you're retiring from a company you've worked for for 30 years. Rolex is now that thing that you give because it's not just a timepiece. And because of what it stands for, they can charge much, much more for it. So that's the positioning that they have. They are not just a timepiece. They've redefined what they are. They are a luxury item. They are a statement of class. And of course, there are several other kinds of watches in between. Um, like a, another example I gave is Rolls-Royce. Rolls-Royce is not, a, is, Rolls-Royce is not a, a, interested in selling millions of cars every year. They sell a couple hundred, a couple thousand, and they are fine with that because Rolls-Royce is not for everybody, and they make it clear. It's not for everybody. It's for people at the tippy top of their careers or accomplishments in life or people who are highly successful, people who can afford it. That's their positioning. And Rolls-Royce tells you that with the price, just by knowing the price of a Rolls-Royce alone, you know instantly that this is not your everyday car. So to recap, this has been an interesting episode. To recap, there are five interesting pricing strategies you can use to change um, expectations in your business to to communicate better value to the market and to achieve your objectives. The first is competitive pricing strategy. With this strategy, you are matching the prices of your competitors because people are going to compare you to them because of what you sell. There's penetration pricing strategy where you deliberately lower the price of your product so you can enter the market, especially if you have a new product or service so that you can attract attention and be able to convince distributors to carry your product. There's a staggered pricing strategy where you acknowledge that all your customers are not the same. All of them view value differently and they are willing to pay for value the way they perceive it. So you don't offer the same price. You offer pricing according to the value that you offer. There's volume pricing strategy where you bundle your products together such that buying the bundle will be cheaper than buying the individual products in the bundle. This is a very effective strategy for pushing sales and boosting sales. Then there's the positioning pricing strategy where you use your pricing to communicate what you stand for and the kinds of customers that you're looking for in the market. So um, essentially, as you think about pricing, like I've said at the very beginning of this episode, there is no definite, there's no definitive formula for determining the price of your product or your service. It is part art, it is part science, but there is a strategy involved. And I've just shared with you five of them. And um, I'm thankful to Constant for asking this question inside the private area because this is the kind of depth we go into in our private area when you have problems about pricing. It's not prescriptive. I dive into why you need to think about it, give you real life examples so that you know exactly what you're dealing with. So this is just one example from one of our insiders. And there are three things I want you to do after listening to this episode. The very first is to consider joining the Insiders Program. The Insiders Program is a group of entrepreneurs who are working together on a common goal of building very successful businesses over the next 10 years. So it's not for the general public. These are entrepreneurs I work privately with, and our goal there is to solve problems, help you get to the next level. Whether it's a funding problem, a sales problem, a problem building business systems, a problem developing your team or finding talent, whatever it is, the people you hang out with are really going to make a dent on 
the level of success that you have. So that is why the, the podcast is free. You can get this knowledge for free, but then, you know, making it practical, making it work for you, you need to be on a team. And the insiders is my A team of people who are working together on that common goal. So we are at smallstarter.com slash insiders. Again, it's smallstarter.com slash insiders. Go in there and I look forward to seeing you inside. The second of the three things I need you to do is to tell your friends about this podcast. This knowledge you're getting for is free. It is business school grade. It's effective because I'm on the ground every day working with entrepreneurs. These are things that are happening on the ground. This is not theory. So anybody who is starting a business, is running a business, trying to turn around the business, this is free business education that can change your life forever, that can change your career as an entrepreneur. So tell your friends about this. Don't, don't be stingy with this. Let people know about it. You can share with them. You can let them know about the Small Starter Business Podcast. They can search for it on, on Apple Podcasts, on Google Podcasts. You can send them the link. If you're listening to this on our website, um, you can leave a comment. You know, you can tag people on social media. Just let your friends know about this podcast. It's my, the underlying philosophy is that the more entrepreneurs we have, the better the world will be. Because entrepreneurs are the ones who create wealth. We're the ones who create jobs. We are the center of innovation. We are creative people. We are relentless. We are resourceful. We are everything humanity needs to make progress. When we are not greedy, we are amazing people. And that is the kind of movement we are trying to build here. We want more people who are creating jobs than people who are looking for jobs. Because when you have more job creators, there will be more jobs to go around. But if everybody is looking for jobs, who is going to create that job? Most of our governments are not entrepreneurial. The best people to create jobs, the people who build the economy are entrepreneurs. And that is why this podcast is for them to help them reach their best potential. And then the third thing I need you to do is to subscribe to this podcast and leave us a five-star review. If you love this podcast, give us a five-star review. You don't like the podcast, you're free not to come back. But essentially, giving us a five-star review helps other people find us. It helps us rank better on the podcast directory so that other people who are looking for a business podcast can easily find us. So you can give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts, on Google Podcasts, or wherever it is you get your podcast. If you're going to join the Insiders program, I can't wait to see you inside. See you in the next episode. Cheers. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Small Starter Business Podcast. To take our free business courses or join one of our signature programs for special entrepreneurs like you, head over to smallstarter.com to join our private community. See you inside.